Pastor Michelle Donatien coming to you from Michelle Donatien Ministries. And I want to encourage you with a fresh word from the Lord today. To Jesus be all the praise. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, and God bless you today. Today, today is December the 11th, Friday, 2020, and I am Pastor Michelle Donatine coming to you today with a fresh word from the Lord about work. Wow, work. Boy, there are so many different directions I could go with that, but stay tuned for what God says about it. I am so excited to be here with you today to be sharing this special word for you about work. You know, we have thought so thought many, many different things about work throughout our lives. I'm sure you can say the same thing. I say we because, you know, until we come to know what God says, we have our own definition of work. Some people have more work harder than others. Some people work less than others. Some people, you know, everybody's got a different opinion about work. We know what the world says. I don't have to outline it for you. But what I do want to share with you is what God says about it. Hallelujah. Because this will change your life. It certainly has changed mine. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, that you are so wonderful and so mighty. And I ask you to take over this time, Holy Spirit, Give me the right words to say that they may touch the hearts of your people. Touch their hearts that they will be refreshed and renewed and strengthened. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and honor. And we thank you. And all God's people said, amen. Hallelujah. So here is the question. What is work? Well, I think I want to tell you a few different things about work. Okay, I want to tell you a few different things. We can define work as what you do to earn money right? What you do to earn money. Now, what you do to earn money is you work, whether it be physical work, you know, you work in a coal mine or you do mental work, you work as a, I don't know, a stockbroker or you work as a teacher or you work as the president of the United States, whatever it is. And there's a mix of physical and you know, uh, mental labor all happening, but it's still work, right? It's what the rest of the world calls work. And even in the Bible, God talks about working out of wisdom. You know, in the book of Proverbs, he talks about how the ant works. The ant works. Nobody says to the ant, you need to go make sure that you, you know, save up enough food for the winter. No, the ant works in the summertime. The ant works so that there's plenty of food stored up for the winter. The Bible tells us that's wisdom. So working is necessary. In the word of God, it says that if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, that's what is in the word of God. Hallelujah. Whatever type of work it is that you've been called to do or you're doing, you are generally compensated for it, right? Well, that's, that's, that's life, right? But here's the beauty of working in the Lord. And I want you to hear me. Working in the Lord is very different. And I, I used to have a hard time understanding this because I grew up, you know, in a family where we worked. 
I mean, my parents, you know, they taught us the value of working. And there's nothing wrong with working hard. I, I, I'm glad that my parents taught me how to work hard and expected me to work hard. And I'm glad that, that the type of person I am is a hard worker. I'm glad for that. But the Lord taught me some wonderful things about what he calls work. And he'll use your tenacity. He'll use that for the kingdom. But the truth of the matter is working in Jesus, working in the Lord is very different than what the world calls work. Why? Because we're not relying on ourselves. You see, I'm learning and I'm still learning as, as I go, and we all will, that as I work in Jesus, he's the one really doing the work. It's pretty amazing, actually, to know that when I get it wrong, because I'm in Jesus and because I'm saying, well, I'm going to obey you, Lord, I'm still moving forward. That to me is amazing. That's amazing. Do you know why? Because results-oriented people say things like this. The proof is in the pudding. (laughs) Things like, uh, don't talk about it, be about it. That's the kind of stuff that we say. (laughs) I say we because... I have always been a results-oriented person. And what I learned is that the results were not the same in Jesus as they are in the world. I still see results because I love my Jesus. And he's the one doing the work. But I'm going to break that down for you in a little bit. Results-oriented people generally say things like, the proof is in the pudding. Don't talk about it, be about it. You know, people like that, people like, uh, I have always been a person who I didn't want to hear complaining. Let's fix the problem. That's it. I mean, really, that's it to me. I didn't have much of a tolerance for complaining because all I saw was that doing more to make the situation worse. But you know, Although I was a results-oriented person before Jesus, when I became a Christian, I became, I'm still a results-oriented person in a different way. I don't know how to put it. Sometimes I don't have, I tell you this oftentimes that I haven't always had the words to say. I wish I had the exact words to say, but you know what? I asked the Lord to give me the right words, and so he gives me the right words. So those other words that if I can't think of those words, then I guess they weren't the right words in the first place. Praise Jesus, right? (laughs) Look at that. So here's the thing. The Bible tells us in the book of John that we are the branch. But let me take you through something here. There are many examples in scripture about how people of God did work. Nehemiah, Ezra, think about them. I love to read about Nehemiah because Nehemiah rebuilt, rebuilt the city. He rebuilt it. You know, we rebuild people in in the spirit. We rebuild them emotionally by giving them the word of God. We, we lift them up. We strengthen them. 
not that we really can do it, us, the human beings that are tasked with loving the people of God and teaching them the word. Really what we're doing is sending them back to the word of God with affirming words. And God is the one who's rebuilding them. We're just a tool in his, I don't, where he's just using us for his glory. And I'm gladly doing it, gladly letting him use me for his glory. What a privilege. What a great privilege. I get so excited when I hear people tell me things and they ask me to pray. And it's such an honor to me. It really, truly is an honor that they would ask me, that God would choose me of all of the amazing men and women of God in this world. I mean, there are pastors and preachers and bishops and teachers and evangelists and, you know, prophets. And, but he calls on me. What a privilege. What an honor. <laughs> That's the way I see it. That's the way I see it. it. It blesses me that the Lord God would see fit to use me. Wow. I mean, really? Wow. He's so wonderful. Our work in the Lord starts with the book of John, chapter 15. And I know what you're probably saying. You might be saying, well, what? I don't understand. Just listen. You'll get it. You'll get it. John chapter 15, verse 1 says this. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, I want you to think about something. Now, let me read on. Let me read on, and I'm going to say it something in a little bit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Wait a minute. Except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Now, did you just catch that? <laughs> Did you just catch that? Now ye are clean through the word. <sighs> Let's go back a second. The Lord is the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. And our father is the husbandman. So when you, you that are gardeners out there, or you that have ever been to a farm, I'm pretty sure everybody that's listening has at least been to a farm. You may be a farmer. You may be a gardener. But if you're like me, and you don't enjoy farming and gardening, you've at least been to a farm or seen a garden at least once in your life, at the very least once in your life. I'm sure more than that. But for the purpose of this teaching, just imagine a plant. And you go to the garden. Now, many of you have never been to a vineyard. So, you know, I'm going to use maybe another plant, any plant. You imagine, I, I think of squash. I had an old friend who loved to garden and she had a very pretty garden and she grew a lot of squash. She really liked squash and I don't remember everything else she grew, but I always just thought squash was very pretty. I don't like yellow squash, but I like, I like zucchini, which is a type of squash or maybe squash is a type of zucchini. I'm pretty sure zucchini is a type of squash, but that's not here nor there. My point is, I always just thought it was very pretty. 
because it has a flower. And then after it flowers, like it's got these big, beautiful green leaves and they're kind of fuzzy and 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 then they grow and then a flower that's like an orangish color. It's very pretty. And then from those blossoms, they call them, I don't know if they call them squash blossoms. I think they do. But those blossoms, nonetheless, then they grow. That's where the squash grow, which has always been amazing to me, how the Lord God created a flower that would produce fruit. Now, do you think that that flower did anything? Or that that squash plant did anything? No. In fact, I can tell you without a doubt that my old friend, she would go out there, Tracy is her name. She would go out to her garden. She loved that garden. And uh, she would go, she did all the work. She showed me, she was so proud. She showed me her garden and, you know, she put, um, what do you call it, tarp over it and learned all these things and she dug it up. And I mean, I don't know all the technical details, so I can't really tell you a whole lot about it because I'm not a gardener or I mean, I could be a gardener, but I don't enjoy gardening. So we'll just say that. But um, so anyway, she showed me and she showed me her plants. And I think plants are beautiful. I really love plants and I love fresh fruit and vegetables. Um, so anyway, I, you know, took very, I noticed how beautiful those squash plants were and what they look like. And people even cook those squash blossoms. But the thing is, she did the work. She pruned them, she picked them, she weeded, she made sure she watered them, she made sure the dogs didn't dig in them, she protected them, she did the work. She put them in a place where they'd have enough sunlight. She did the research to find out what was just enough sunlight, what was too much, what was not enough, what could she grow in her region. She did all the work. All the plant did was produce fruit by hanging out on the We can call it a vine for the sake of this teaching. This is what God is doing. God is the husbandman. You could say my friend Tracy was the husbandman of her little garden. It really wasn't little. I mean, maybe for some of you it might be little. But to me, you know, well, it was bigger than any garden I ever had. And it was a beautiful garden. And um, she was the husbandman, if you will. Now, I don't know what the technical term of a husbandman is. But I know, like the actual definition, you know, I'm an English teacher. I love words and I love to know the meaning. But the point of it is we all know that it's the one who tended to it. And that in this word, the scripture is our father in heaven. He is the husbandman. Jesus is the vine. Now, wait a minute. So I just went into great detail about the, well, we're going to call it the vine itself. I think they're actually on vines too, squash. I think those are vines. And so she, you know, she, uh, my friend, she did lots to make sure that the vines were, you know, nice and were in the right places, but the vines just grew. And as she watered and made sure that everything was, she had all the right conditions, plants just started growing. Flowers just grew, fruit grew, and she would pick off the fruit. And if there was bad fruit, she'd pick it off and she would check on her fruit. I don't know how often she went out there. I imagine probably the first few days or first month or two, she was pretty excited and probably went out there every day. I don't know. I mean, my mother used to garden and I always hated it 
So I remember begrudgingly going out there. So I really can't remember how often we had to water the garden. I, I really don't remember. Um, I remember going out there when I was supposed to, but I don't think you, I think you water it every day now that I think about it. Yeah, you, you probably know better than me. If you, if you guys are gardeners, you know what I'm saying. The point is, she took care of all of the conditions to make sure they were right so that fruit would be bought, would, would, so that the plants would bear fruit. The Bible says in verse 2 of John chapter 15, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, it taketh away. So let's go back for a second. I'm going to flip flop it. It says, every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. My friend, she would pick the fruit off that was ready to be picked. She would cut the fruit off or pick the fruit off that was bad. If there was something that wasn't, you know, doing what it was supposed to do, she'd pick it off, make sure that it was, everything was uh, growing properly and healthy. And that's what it says in the beginning of verse two, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So if there was a branch or a vine and that little, that, that uh, squash plant that wasn't bearing any fruit, she would, you know, if it like, looks like it got shriveled up and brown, she would take it out, throw it away. It was garbage. It was trash. The Bible says that if we are in the Lord, then we will bear fruit. And anyone, any branch that's in Jesus that is not bearing fruit, the Lord God will take it away. That means you might call yourself a Christian. You might have been walking with him. But if you stop bearing fruit, the Bible says it's right here. He taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it. What does that mean? Well, imagine if those little um, squash had feelings and if they had, you know, like, what do we call them? What we have, whatever it is, our nerve endings all through it. Can you imagine every time she'd pull off a leaf, it would say, ouch, ouch. It would hurt. You know, it's like pulling off an arm or pulling off an eyelash or something. Well, an arm. And uh, it hurts a little bit when you get purged. It, it really kind of hurts a little bit as people. But we know that it's good for us and it brings forth more fruit. So, you know, something I learned that was really, really very profound and it had a profound impact on my life was that God tests us. Indeed, he does test us. The Bible says so. And when I learned that, I began to understand why the testing was a little painful sometimes, but why it was so necessary. Because as we come out on the other end, what happens is we're then stronger and we can handle the next thing. I was talking to a student today, and he's a sweet young boy. He really has a sweet, sweetheart. And he's 17 years old. He's a high school student. And so we were talking about the coronavirus, and um, we were talking about, what were we talking? Oh, no, 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 no. We did talk about that. But um, we talked about a newspaper article that he was reading. And it was about a male ballerina. They call them ballerinos. One of my other students taught me that, and I didn't know. And there's a young boy that lives in Africa. I don't know if he's in Nigeria. I think it said Nigeria. Yeah, Lagos, Nigeria. So those of you listening from Africa, there's a shout out to Lagos, Lagos, Nigeria. And anyway, this young boy comes from a poor family. And so he was going to a dance school that was sponsored by another male ballerina from Nigeria. Well, I don't know if he's actually from Nigeria, but he is 
he is uh, he has that dance school in Nigeria. Nigeria. I imagine he's from Nigeria. But anyway, he is in a in a, a troupe, a dance troupe in America here, some famous dance troupe. And so he goes back to Nigeria to teach young people. I don't know if they're all boys, but I know the one is a boy. The one that the article was written about is a boy. And he does these clinics for free because, you know, it's a very poor area uh, where this boy lives. I mean, Lagos is a big and a very diverse place. Lagos is, uh, from what I've read, Lagos is like the one of the number one ports in Africa. It's a big city. There's a, I think they call it the most, I'm not using the right words, but it's like the number one place or at least one of the number one places if you want to do trade in Africa. So you can imagine, it's probably like any big city. I've never been to Lagos, but I've seen pictures of the beautiful sides and then the sides that were very uh, much poverty stricken. So like any big city, you've got great extremes. And this young boy lived in the poverty stricken area. And anyway, we were talking about um, boys being ballerinas. And so I asked him, do you think that it's important for more boys to be ballerinas and or does it matter do you think it even matters and he said well I don't really think it matters but what I do worry about he said was people saying mean things to a boy who is a ballerina ballerino is the right word he said because people might say oh you're like you look like a girl or you know I didn't say to him what a lot of people say they would call them say oh you're gay or whatever even if the kid's not and they use it as a derogatory term and um, we know that homosexuality is a sin and abomination but we don't make fun of people we love people we love everyone on this earth because that's what the bible tells us to do so we don't use those words as derogatory terms we love the sinner and hate the sin that's it period so anyway, I just wanted to make that clear. But anyway, we were talking about what God says about us. And this young boy is a Christian. And so we began talking about what God says about us and how hard it is in the beginning to just ignore the naysayers out there and to hold on to what the Lord says about you. Because, you know, when he said that, I told him, well, the truth is, Everybody has an opinion. Your whole life, people are going to have opinions about you, good, bad, and ugly. They're going to have opinions. And you have to come to a place where you say, what does the Lord say about me? Because brothers and sisters, this is what it's about. Jesus. Nothing else. Jesus. And as we were talking... I began to just say to him, he said, well, I think you're a very strong person. And I said, no, 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 no. It's not me who's strong. It's the Lord Jesus. I go to Jesus about everything. Everything. I learned this. And here's my point. As the vine, as the branch on the vine, all we have to do is hang out on him. And he's really doing all the work. He's preparing us. He's making, he's making sure we bear fruit. As long as we hold on to him, that's it. As long as we just hang out on the vine, that is what our work is. He does all the rest. Isn't that amazing? I don't have to say to, to anybody, yes, I'm strong. I don't have to be. My Lord is. So I hold on to him. I say, Lord, you're going to have to do this. And he does. And he strengthens me amazingly. 
So it's like, I don't, I don't have to be strong, but he makes me strong. Isn't that something? I don't have to be strong, but he does that in me. So when someone says something to me, all the training, I call it training, that I had as a little girl, when all the little kids used to make fun of me, because I went through the ringer when I was a little kid and the kids making fun of me, and you probably did too. I mean, I know not everybody's made fun of, but I know a lot of people were. But God was strengthening me. Not that God caused those people to be unkind, but he showed me later on that it strengthened me. People say a lot of things, and I'm not getting, don't get me wrong, I'm still human. Things do hurt my feelings at times, but it takes a lot. And I just go back to what the Lord God says about me. Because my job and your job is to hang out on the vine. He says, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. That means you didn't have to clean yourself. You're clean through the word. And it says, which I have spoken unto you. Now, wait a minute. He, he even did the speaking of the word unto you. So you're doing nothing but literally hanging out on the vine. Then he says in verse four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Hold on a second. You can't bear fruit on your own, even if you wanted to, (laughs) except it abide in the vine. (laughs) If you don't just hang out in the Lord, you won't bear any fruit, my friends. You cannot do the work of the kingdom unless you hang out on the vine. Have you ever seen those people who just look so angry? They just look so angry. They call themselves Christians, but they're just so mean and bitter and they complain all the time. And, you know, they, just, they say gossip about people and they say mean things. Well, that's not biblical. Listen, we're all adults here. I mean, and you might be a young person listening, but it's time to be mature in the Lord, in the Lord okay? These things do happen. We don't fall to pieces when it happens, but we do recognize that it's not holy. God does not want us to live like that. God has called us to let him do the work. If we will just hang out in the vine, it won't be so tiring, my friends. And what happens when we hang out in the vine? Well, when we hang out in the vine, the Lord answers this. This has been my prayer. Well, let me just say this. The Lord answers your prayers. The Lord takes care of you. The Lord, he does the work in your life and You have relationship with him. It's all about a relationship with him. That's all it's about. Everything else comes out of that. He says in verse four in the second half, no more can ye accept ye abide in me. So I'll repeat it. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Whoa. So you can't bear fruit if you don't abide in him. He said it right there clearly. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Wow. 
If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and I, it shall be done unto you. <laughs> One of my other students asked me today, we were talking about um, Christmas and he said he's really excited. He's going to a ski resort for Christmas and uh, him and a, another family uh, and they always do, they always have, they do holidays together, him and this, this other family. I don't know if it's the same family, but him and whatever friends his family chooses, they're good friends with each other. And so the kids play and the parents hang out. And so they have a great time over the holidays. And so he said, I'm really excited. I'm going to a ski resort, he said, but I'm not going to be able to ski because of the coronavirus. And I said, oh, I never thought about it. I, I never, it never even occurred to me. Um, but here's what he said. So I asked him, or here's what I asked him. I said, well, so you're excited about Christmas. You're going to hang out with your friends. And he said, yeah, we're going to play games and, you know, do activities with our families. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. And I said, that's awesome. I said, what about Christmas gifts? Are you going to get any Christmas gifts this year? Because in Korea, it's not the same as in America. It's an American tradition, not only a Christian um, beautiful thing that we do, but it's also an American tradition. So we know, we hear people say, oh, well, if he doesn't have a Christmas, it's a terrible thing. And, 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 and you know what I mean when I say that, but it's not the same in Korea. So a lot of kids don't get Christmas gifts and it's no big deal to them. They just, it's just not part of the culture. Those who are Christians celebrate Christmas. And now some people who are not Christians in Korea are beginning to celebrate Christmas, but it's, you know, they like go out to dinner and they get a cake and that's pretty much it. It's just another holiday for most of them. But uh, so he said, well, no, I don't want any gifts because I'm, he said he was worried about his parents and their financial situation. And his father's a dentist and his mom is a stay-at-home mom. And so I said, well, you know, you don't have to really worry about that. I said, you know, first of all, it sounds like your family's doing just fine. I said, you're going to a hotel over the holiday, and those hotels are expensive. I said, your parents wouldn't get a hotel if, if you didn't, if things weren't financially fine. And he said, well, yeah, okay, okay. And then he asked me, and then I said, but the other thing is your parents are Christians, and God protects his people. When we ask him, when we pray and we ask him, he'll protect them. I said, so he said, but I bet your job hasn't been affected by the coronavirus. That's how it started. And I said, well, no, it hasn't. And it's because the Lord, I said, it's because God is protecting me. That's the reason why my job hasn't been affected by the coronavirus. That's the only reason. It's the grace of God. That's it. And he said, well, why doesn't God protect others? And I said, well, and the truth of the matter is, my friends, I don't know everything about God. Neither do you. None of us do. All I know is what the word says. The Bible says that if we are Christians and we ask, we just read it. Anything that you ask, he will answer it. If it is his will, he'll answer it. Here it is. Ye ask, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the father hath loved me, this is verse nine. So have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So I said, when we pray, when Christians pray, the Bible says that the Lord God answers our prayer. I said, now some prayers he doesn't 
answer the way we want them to. Said if we pray and ask, you know, then he's a kid here. So I gave him an example. I said, if we pray and say, oh Lord, I want 100 cats. I said, the God's, God's probably not going to answer that prayer and give you 100 cats. He's going to give us what's good for us. But you and I know the truth and maybe you don't know this, but let me just break it down for a moment and explain it. When you abide in him and he abides in you, your desire is his desire. You want what God's heart is. So whatever you ask, it is his will. You're asking things that are in the word of God because that's where your heart is now. And you're asking and he's answering. And so, no, I don't believe his family will at all be affected by the coronavirus. Not negatively. No. I mean, he has a dentistry and his his dad is or his dad is a dentistry. And he said that he hasn't had as many, uh, you know, clients but they seem to be fine. They're going on their way to a hotel and hanging out. And, you know, I don't know their finances, but here's my point. We don't have to do the work. The Lord does the work. All we need to do is abide in him. You know, I come from a West Indian family and there's a joke among West Indians that we work and we work hard. And people, there used to be a joke about it. How many jobs do you have? What? You only have three jobs? Oh, you're lazy. Like there was, that was the joke. West Indians. And I'm sure there may be other cultures where people have the same kind of jokes. But the point is that it was such such a norm that we work hard that that was the joke. And so I can't speak about your culture because, well, I don't know your culture. And I'm sure there are many, many people around the world that work hard. It's not just West Indians. But all I'm saying is that it was a shift for me to understand how to let the Lord do the work because I come from the stock where you do the work you see and if you didn't do the work it's still doing the work when you hire someone else to do the work you know we were we, we would hire people to paint our house some people they do the house painting themselves in my family we found a good painter and had him or her do the painting you still got the work done as long as it was completed you take your car to the mechanic Some people I know, they are the mechanics, and there's nothing wrong with that. They make good money. But in my family, we weren't the mechanics. We would take our car to the mechanic, a good mechanic, and pay them very well because they worked very hard. So here's the thing. You and I don't have to do the work. All we have to do is abide in him, hang out on the vine. Listen, I know how hard that is to do and what a shift it is, but I just pray for you today that you will get it and that you will begin starting right this moment to just hang out on the vine. Let the Lord do the work because as you let him do the work, what you'll see is no matter how many times you, the world may say that you fail, you're not failing. You're still on your way going forward. And I saw that shift in my own life as I accomplish things or things that the Lord God has given me to do. I'm still moving forward. I'm never going backwards ever ever, ever, because I'm in the Lord and I'm saying, God, you tasked me with this. So I'm still going forward because gone are the days where when you realize this, gone are the days where you say, well, that's it. I can't do this anymore. No, there is none of that. You're not doing it in the first place. (laughs) All you're doing is what God instructs you to do. And that is not all the heavy lifting, my friends. That is not the heavy lifting. Praise be to Jesus. And what do I mean when I say the heavy lifting? He's doing the major work. 
yeah, you might be praying and you might have to stand up and pray, you know, and, and that's some, some, it's a little physical. Yeah, it is. Or you might be the pastor and, you know, you stand up and preach for two hours, but that is nothing compared to what God is doing. You're just doing what he's instructing you to do. So I want to encourage you today to just hang out on the vine. The Lord God will do the work and he will get the victory in your life. God bless you. Well, my sweet friends, I hope and pray that you enjoyed that word from the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, God is so faithful and he's so wonderful and he does the work. So I'd like to pray with you here today and we're going to pray, Lord, pray that the Lord will open up your eyes, that you will see this mighty revelation so that you can let God do the work because friends, you can't do it as good as he could anyway. I know that wasn't grammatically correct, but you cannot do it the way he can. There's no way for you to do it the way he can. Just stop trying and just be obedient to the Lord and let him tell you what he wants you to do. Let him do the major work. Stop trying to make it happen and just be obedient. Hang out on the vine. Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today. And I ask you, Lord God, to move in the hearts of your people. That they will learn and we, we in every area of our lives will learn how to just hang out on the vine. We love you, Lord God, in every area of our lives and even in our families. Lord God, we pray that you will just teach us to just hang out on the vine. Father, the same with your persecuted church. Because, Lord God, they're under great duress. And we ask you, Lord God, to teach them how to just hang out on the vine. Give them peace in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord God, we love and honor you and we lift up your persecuted church that you will give them all the needs that they have, Lord God. Take care of all of those needs. Father, even as we come close to Christmas now, I've heard stories of many that were in the prisons and they just had a, you know, a little celebration singing hymns unto themselves because they weren't allowed to celebrate Christmas or wherever they are in whatever country they're in. But Lord, we ask you right now in the name of Jesus to encourage them, Lord that they may know that you are right there at all times. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen. And Lord, I just plead the precious blood of Jesus over all of your people at the sound of my voice and over your persecuted church. Hallelujah. Over all the entire body of Christ and over their family members, Lord God, and over their homes and their properties and their businesses and finances and ministries in the name of Jesus, Lord God, and their jobs and over their realms of influence and their relationships and over everything you've ordained for each and every one of their lives, our lives in Jesus' name. I ask you to enlarge each one's territory in the name of Jesus. And we thank you and all God's people said, amen. Well, friends, I've enjoyed this wonderful, wonderful time with you. If you're like me, you enjoy hearing the word of God and you're like sitting on bated breath waiting for the next thing to be said. And so it's for those of you that are hungry for the word that I do this every single day. And then it's for those of you who are praying and asking the Lord to give you a hunger for the word that I do this for as well. Because I was in both of those places. I'm hungry for the word today. But there was a time that I had to ask the Lord to make me hungry. So he'll work with you. Remember, you don't have to do the work. Just ask him to give you a hunger for him. Because understand this, my friends. If you don't have a hunger for the Lord, something's wrong with your relationship.
Something's wrong with your relationship if you've lost your hunger for his presence and for his word. So ask him for it and he'll do it. Doesn't the Bible say in Jeremiah, nothing's too hard for the Lord. Is anything too big for the Lord? Oh, it's all through scripture. But my friends, I love you. May the Lord God be with each and every one of you. I encourage you to go to my website. There's information about the upcoming prayer meeting on January 1st. I invite you to be there. It At this point, we don't have the location saddled down yet, nailed down, but we know it's going to be, uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a virtual meeting. So it will be in one location where we're broadcasting from this prayer meeting on January 1st, 2021. Praise be to the Lord. Um, but we were going to be on probably Zoom and we're going to be broadcasting all throughout uh, the world. So this is for leaders, for um, people who are not leaders. Uh, if you are a Christian, I want you to be there. So we're going to be praying together. Hallelujah. And so be praying for us as well, that the Lord God will bring anointed men and women of God for the so that we have musicians for the Bible, for the prayer meeting. And so that we have a location, that we have a way to broadcast with high quality that honors the Lord and that the people in the name of Jesus will come and will show up. Hallelujah. So you can go to my website, michelledonatian.com, and there's a letter there that um, I've sent out to pastors and leaders. And you can read that letter and it's got all the information that we have up to this point. And um, as we get closer, we'll be updating as we nail things down, but just be praying for us praying for my ministry, and thank you so much for all of your support. And I will also say this, yesterday we did not do a broadcast or a podcast, excuse me, and I did not announce it ahead of time. I do apologize for that. We had some scheduling things happening, and um, um, I realized, wow, I missed the time frame. So I said, well, we're going to just uh, come back on today, and I'll apologize. But in the future, I'll make sure that we have something ahead of time um, so that you can listen and be blessed. And thank you again so much for all of your patience with me. You're so wonderful. I love each and every one of you and know that I'm praying for you. So if you have any answers to those needs that we have in prayer, send me a message. Send me an email, michelledonatian at live.com or michelledonatianministries at outlook.com. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. God bless you. I love you. Until tomorrow. Well, sweet people of God, I want to thank you so much for joining me here today. Tune in tomorrow for a new and fresh word from the Lord for you. This is Pastor Michelle Donatian signing off. God bless you and to Jesus be all the praise. <laughs>